two of 2024's highest polling candidates jabbing each other over China on the third GOP debate stage. So mine was 10 years ago. You gave Yours them was stuff. six months I didn't ago. Give them anything. What's your story? Who will secure second place behind former President Trump? American colleges are getting anti-Semitic, but what's behind the surge? A report delves into how billions of dollars from Hamas and China are flooding our campuses. Should the U.S. collaborate with China on scientific research? A group of lawmakers making a case for President Biden to consider. Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. In what's become a highlight from the third Republican presidential debate, two Trump rivals clashing with each other over China on Wednesday. Presidential hopefuls Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis are racing for the second place spot, with the GOP primary just two months away. This as President Trump continues leading the polls. Here's the clip of the sparring. Then we will go and end all formal trade relations with China until they stop murdering Americans from fentanyl, something Ron has yet to say that he's going to do. And then we modernize our military. You know, Ambassador Haley said somehow I wasn't doing. She welcomed them into South Carolina, gave them land near a military base, wrote the Chinese ambassador a love letter saying what a great friend they were. That was like their number one one way to do, to do economic development. DeSantis was referring to a 2016 deal. South Carolina's Richland County Council struck a deal with a Chinese fiberglass company called Jishi. Under it, the county would give Jishi almost 200 acres of land, as long as it invested a certain amount of money and created a certain number of jobs. Jishi's CEO also serves as the head of the Communist Party cell within the company. It's a common department found within large-scale Chinese entities and often gets a say in company decisions. The Chinese company's products are used for military and defense purposes. Jishu's plant in South Carolina sits less than 10 miles from Fort Jackson, a U.S. Army training center. Then-Governor Haley praised the investment at the time, having called it a huge win for the state. Though both Haley and DeSantis have taken a tough stance on China in their presidential campaigns. In Florida, I banned China from buying land in this state, and we kicked out on our universities, and we kicked the Confucius Institutes out of our universities. We've recognized the threat, and we've acted swiftly and decisively. Haley didn't hesitate to respond. Yes, I brought a fiberglass company 10 years ago to South Carolina. But, Ron, you are the chair of your economic development agency that, as of last week, said Florida is the ideal place for Chinese businesses. Not only that, you have a company that is manufacturer of Chinese military planes. You have it. They are expanding two training sites at two of your airports now, one which is 12 miles away from a naval base. Then you have another company that's expanding, and they were just invaded by the Department of Homeland Security. So mine was 10 years ago. You gave Yours them was stuff. Six I didn't ago. give them anything. What's your story? And I abolished that agency that she's talking about. No, Enterprise he, Florida, we abolished it. And of course, we banned China from buying the land. the website Not last exactly week. a Go great check. recruiting pitch if you're love. banning them from purchasing you land. You the website so we've last stood up week. Governor DeSantis signed a bill this June shuttering Enterprise Florida, the state's business recruitment agency. What about Haley's accusation about a company making Chinese military planes? 
Here's what happened. A company called Cirrus Aircraft opened two branches in Central Florida last year. One of them was located at the Orlando Executive Airport, which is about 12 miles away from a Naval Training Systems Technology Center. Here's the kicker. According to the New York Post, Cirrus Aircraft is a subsidiary of AVIC. It's a state-owned Chinese defense conglomerate sanctioned by the United States. AVIC makes fighter jets and drones for the Chinese military. Billions of dollars are flowing from foreign adversaries to our college campuses, enabling information campaigns from regimes like the Chinese Communist Party and the Hamas terrorist group. Now, the House is taking action to shine a light on this pervasive foreign influence. Entity's Melina Weisskopf has the story. Education is a battleground for influence over the next generation of Americans. And unfortunately, our foreign adversaries understand this very well. That's the heart of the issue that Republican Congresswoman Michelle Steele and Virginia Fox are tackling with their deterrent act. It would require colleges and its staff to report even $1 worth of gifts given to them by foreign countries of concern. We know that the Chinese Communist Party is not giving money to these institutions for nothing. They may just be wanting to influence the way students think. An issue that lawmakers on both sides acknowledge, leading to a bipartisan vote to advance the bill to the House floor. What China has been doing in terms of uh, intellectual property threat goes well beyond traditional espionage. The scale of threat is unprecedented in human history. To infiltrate their development programs or research programs, uh, particularly when it comes to advanced uh, military uh, research. But China's subversion is only one piece of the puzzle. College students are directly impacted today with rising anti-Semitism. A report finds that over 200 American colleges and universities received $13 billion from foreign regimes, which has helped fuel anti-Semitism on college campuses. And the colleges and universities raking in money from the Middle East appear to be ignoring Title VI while they allow Jewish students to be threatened and harassed on campus. And the House Judiciary Committee held a separate hearing to examine the rise in anti-Israel sentiment on college campuses and the violence that are directed at students who are supporting Israel. Reporting from Capitol Hill, Melina Weisskopf, NTD News. Should the U.S. continue to collaborate on scientific research with China? A group of Republicans in Congress is calling on President Biden not to renew a deal with Beijing. The lawmakers are Congress members Daryl Issa, Mike Gallagher, Andy Barr, and Senator Pete Ricketts. They say the U.S.-China Science and Technology Cooperation Agreement, or STA, has overwhelmingly benefited China. In a letter to the White House obtained by the New York Post, the lawmakers wrote they are gravely concerned that the STA is furthering the Chinese Communist Party's ambitions to supplant the United States as the world's leading innovation powerhouse. The deal first came into being in 1979 under President Jimmy Carter. Since then, the U.S. and China have collaborated on research in fields from physics to earth sciences to industrial technology. Congressional lawmakers pressuring President Biden and China. They want China to free political prisoners, some of them American citizens. Let's zoom in. Lawmakers from both parties and both chambers releasing this letter to Biden today. It contains this list of Chinese political prisoners and unjustly detained American citizens. 
The lawmakers want Biden to demand the release of those people when meeting with Chinese officials at the Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation Summit next week. The list contains a total of 40 people. Three of those are American citizens or permanent residents. A prominent figure among the 40 is renowned human rights lawyer Gao Zhisheng. The CCP unjustly detained him for defending Christians and Falun Gong practitioners in China. The CCP continues to persecute both of these spiritual practices. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin arrived in New Delhi, India on Thursday. He and Secretary of State Antony Blinken will be meeting with their Indian counterparts later this week. Officials say the talks will focus on security challenges in the Indo-Pacific and concerns over China, rather than the wars in Israel and Ukraine. The meeting is part of what's called the 2 plus 2 dialogue. Launched in 2018 to boost defense cooperation and align policy objectives in the Indo-Pacific region. India's ties with the U.S. have grown steadily stronger in recent months. The country is of strategic importance to the U.S., acting as a counterbalance to China alongside Beijing's influence in the Asia-Pacific region. India's large economy also provides trade opportunities for the U.S. Taiwan and the U.K. are deepening economic ties. They signed an enhanced trade partnership Wednesday after a high-level meeting in London. Taiwanese officials said the agreement would serve as a model for other European countries to improve their own trade ties with Taiwan. With the trade deal, the island hopes to further its case for joining a major pan-Pacific free trade pact and bolster its ties with other European states. Despite being a member of the World Trade Organization, Taiwan has few formal trade agreements with other countries due to pressure from the Chinese regime. Beijing reacted to the latest trade deal, telling the U.K. to stop its efforts to enhance ties with Taiwan. Secretary of State Antony Blinken said the U.S. is deeply concerned over military ties between Russia and North Korea. He made the remarks during a visit to South Korea. Here's more. Blinken and the South Korean foreign minister said they were considering a so-called extended deterrence strategy to counter threats from Pyongyang. The leaders also discussed furthering strategic cooperation with Japan. Blinken urged China to play a role in curbing risky transactions between Moscow and Pyongyang. China has um, a unique relationship with North Korea. As a result of that relationship, it has real influence. And we do look to China to use that influence to play a constructive role in pulling North Korea back from this irresponsible uh, and dangerous behavior. The U.S., South Korea and Japan have condemned alleged arms shipment from North Korea to Russia. They pointed to cargo shipments from the reclusive state to Russia as evidence. The spotlight is back on a shipping port in Sri Lanka. The U.S. is getting ready to pour over $550 million into the port of Colombo. The load will fund construction of a deep-water shipping container terminal. It's coming from a federal agency called the U.S. International Development Finance Corp. The agency says the goal is to craft critical infrastructure to transform Colombo into a world-class logistics hub. Paul CEO Scott Nathan says the new terminal will strengthen U.S. allies in the region expand shipping capacity and create greater prosperity for Sri Lanka without adding to the nation's debt woes. Critics of China's global infrastructure project, the Belt and Road Initiative, say it left Sri Lanka in financial turmoil through engaging in debt trap diplomacy. 
Countries like Laos also signed on for the Chinese infrastructure loans, but later found itself saddled with debt worth more than its entire GDP. Amid those concerns, the Philippines is pulling out of the Belt and Road. Beijing had promised to lend the country $5 billion to build three railway lines. But the Philippines' transport minister explained the withdrawal came after China failed to respond to funding requests. That's alongside a long-term dispute over territory in the South China Sea. Recent clashes between Philippine Coast Guard ships and Chinese vessels have ended in collisions, with the Chinese ships attempting to block supply drop-offs to Philippine troops stationed on a contested shoal there. Coming up, the border, U.S. farmland and influence in American schools. All hot words surrounding China that came up in Wednesday night's presidential debate. How big is the China threat that America is facing? And what countermeasures can we take? Andrew Thornbrook, national security correspondent for the Epic Times, weighs in. More on that after the break here on China in Focus. Welcome back to China In Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Presidential hopefuls talking China in the third GOP presidential debate Wednesday. How does the China threat tie into our schools, military and farmland? And what is Washington doing in response? We spoke to Andrew Thornbrook, national security correspondent for the Epic Times, for insight. Andrew Thornbrook, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you back on the show. Thanks for having me, Tiffany. It's a pleasure to be here. Andrew, China came up several times in last night's third GOP presidential debate, whether that's TikTok, buying up U.S. farmland, or even influencing our schools. How big of an issue do you see China in our upcoming election? Yeah, I think China is definitely going to play a central role, especially when it comes to trying to examine the foreign policy uh, platforms of a lot of these candidates. I'd expect to see that in the uh, Democratic side as well. Uh, even Biden, I'm sure, will lean in at some point uh, regarding his efforts to stabilize relations with China. So I only see this becoming a bigger and bigger issue. We're already seeing these, uh, particularly the Republican candidates, uh, becoming quite hawkish in their positions uh, publicly. So I think this will be a big, big uh, platform for them. On that note, all five were taking very hawkish stance on the Chinese Communist Party, but they were also going after each other as if the other ones were weak. What do you make of that? I think it just shows how much in the last few years uh, the issue of China, and particularly the influence of the Chinese Communist Party, has it's really come to a head. You know, a lot of these candidates, all of these candidates, are making statements that in 2016 would have been just mind-boggling, stupid comments to make. No one would win an election, and now they're all vying uh, to see who can out-hawk the other, uh, because the American people largely have really soured on the CCP's influence and are increasingly wary of how much uh, the Chinese Communist Party is trying to undermine the United States, both here at home and abroad. On the side of the Chinese threat, the moderators did bring up the fact that the U.S. Navy is now smaller than China's. And Senator Tim Scott spoke about how we need a military industrial base in the U.S. because Ramaswamy was pointing out our military right now relies on China to create it. So how viable is Scott's point of building that military here in the States? 
Yeah, so there's a number of issues there. I think we've been aware for a long time of the weaknesses of our own domestic supply chain in terms of our, our military, uh, particularly with, with high-tech stuff or, or just heavy industrial stuff like uh, the naval ships, a lot of the Air Force stuff, now Space Force. Uh, a lot of these are very advanced supply chains that require international effort, particularly with our partners in Europe, but also in Asia. Um, there is certainly a benefit to bringing all of that stateside and trying to have that industrial complex here in terms of national security. Our capability to do that, however, is very, very limited because we simply don't have the skilled workforce to do it. And this is something the United States has struggled with for decades now. This is one of the reasons why most of the maintenance facilities we use for our aircraft carriers, for instance, are allied bases overseas, right? We, we only have a few uh, dry docks here in the United States. So this is something that, yes, we need to improve. But right now, the extent to which we can improve that with the workforce we have is, is very limited. So it sounds like it's more friend shoring, not complete reshoring. Is that fair? Absolutely. And one other point that was brought up, well, fentanyl, the border, but also influence inside our schools. Now, Ron DeSantis brought out that he got rid of the Chinese Communist Party's Confucius Institute in his state of Florida. Now, you actually just had a piece out on a House bill that aims, if it's passed, to lower the threshold of foreign gifts to universities that need to be reported. Tell us about that and how that ties into the China threat. Yeah, so this bill, the Deterrent Act, uh, it effectively would lower the threshold for what needs to be reported by universities to the federal government in terms of foreign gifts. So right now, if a university receives a foreign gift of $250,000 or more, they need to report it to the United States government. Uh, this bill would lower that number to $50,000, meaning more things need to be reported. Uh, but it would also lower it to $0 for countries of concern. Uh, so these are countries that there are national security threats uh, perhaps emanating from, you know, Iran, Russia, possibly China. It depends on how we're uh, really categorizing country of concern. Uh, but in those instances, any foreign gift from those nations of any size would need to be reported to the federal government. So it sounds like this is aiming to stop that influence from adversarial powers. Is that what they're aiming to do? Yeah, so this is another one of these... Uh, we might say hyper hawkish uh, stances, right? This is uh, largely being categorized or, or characterized by its uh, proponents as a means of expelling Chinese communist influence from our universities by demanding the universities and the professors uh, be more transparent about gifts from China. Uh, that being said, there are some problems with the bill that have been raised about whether or not it's actually feasible to enforce. One of the big issues we've had with universities right now is just enforcing the rules that we do have. And so it's it's really difficult to say how we would go about enforcing new regulations on top of the old ones when we really couldn't enforce the old ones to begin with. And zooming out, you brought up how existential has maybe been overused in several categories. How serious is the Chinese Communist Party threat? And as you mentioned, too, not isolating the Chinese people. Yeah, so the Chinese Communist Party is a deadly threat. It's a deadly threat um, to the United States. It has been since its inception or since it took over the Chinese mainland in 1949. Uh, it's since the time of Mao has stated the United States is the great enemy, right? Well, we are the... <laughs> 
the uh, capitalist imperialists. Uh, so that being said, the Chinese Communist Party does absolutely have a strategic goal of undermining and ultimately displacing the United States as the leading power on Earth. Uh, with that being said, there is no one on Earth who has or will continue to suffer more from the Chinese Communist Party than the Chinese people. Uh, and so I think we need to get much much better at the game that we used to be very good at, which is promoting democracy, promoting democratic norms, uh, helping the Chinese people break through censorship and understand what's at stake, what's going on in their own country. Um, so if, if we can get back to that, really promoting diplomacy and intelligence first before focusing on the military aspect, I think we'd all be greatly improved. Andrew Thornbrook, thank you so much for your time. Thanks so much for having me, Tiffany. That's all for today's China In Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocusntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching. See you tomorrow.